I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. This is stage 19, the first slightly more straightforward sprint stage that should have been a sprint uh, that we've had for a while, 189Ks from Castelnau, Manioc to Cahors. It has some rolling hills, most importantly, in the middle of the stage for about 20, 30 kilometers rather. Then a couple of rollers, we're talking like 1,700 meters, 6%, 1,400 meters, 6%. Then the finish, uphill drag, harder than it looks than there's rolling hills before there. It's just with everyone on their last legs, it's a difficult stage to control. We knew the sprinters teams, Alperson, Lotto, Bike Exchange, would be desperate to do so because there's been a dearth of sprint opportunities in this year's Tour de France. But the Tour de France may men's race may finish on Sunday with the last proper stage GC-wise tomorrow, but the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift kicks off on Sunday. Benji and I, I'm going to starting my journey tomorrow morning uh but yeah that race is back to back with the men's race and zwift are calling on all cycling fans to watch the farm make sure you tune into our recap subscribe down below if you're watching on youtube or if you're listening on podcast players make sure you follow the podcast so that you tune into all the tour de france fam of zwift recaps from the 24th to the 31st of july make sure you check out the preview uh, if you want to get up to date on that race and the main participants and all the jerseys, etc. But were you surprised, Benji, to see A, quick step in the break, and B, lotto pacing and not having, say, a Vermeer or a Gilbert get in the break? Personally, I think when you have Caleb Ewan, for example, as your sprinter, I think it will be hard to say on a stage like this, okay, we're not going to go for him at all. I think that's something that, when it comes to the team dynamics in the team, would probably not go too well towards Caleb Ewan, who was still their star sprinter on paper for the coming year and so forth. So that's the aspect I see there that I don't know if he would have been happy. But on the other hand, if they have a rider in the breakaway, they don't have that pressure in the peloton to have to ride. But perhaps that break makes it then. Nonetheless, the riders in the break where, like you mentioned, included Quick Step, Honore in there for Quick Step. I think, um, I think Brian Holmes said before the start to Honore or about Honore that they told Honore, uh, if you are not in the breakaway, you're the first rider in our train today. And I guess that's why he decided to go in the breakaway. <laughs> so he was there together with Taco van der Horn uh, for Antoine of course, who was in a, a skin suit. So he was, uh, Looking for that extra advantage there. We had Nils Paulet, German champion for Bora. Previous stage winner last year. Mohoric, two stage wins last year as well. Also in the group. And then Quinn Simmons for Trexi Gafredo, whose sprinter, Mess Pedersen, has been reported sick um, overnight. And I think Trek reported that like just when Simmons got into the breakaway. So perhaps to make sure that people didn't expect him to go in the breakaway. I don't know what the feeling was there. But hey, five riders in the breakaway and on paper... A strong breakaway, right? This is the kind of breakaway where you're like, ooh, you need multiple teams to control this. 
we saw DSM for Dainese. God bless them. Total for Sagan. <laughs> God bless them. Uh, Alperson Phoenix for Philipson. Makes perfect sense. Lotto for Caleb Ewan and Bike Exchange for Gronovec and controlling all five teams. And uh, Jakobsen, I also think, gave Honoré the green light because he's like, my legs are stuffed. And he basically, that meant Quickstep didn't have to pay. So I think Quickstep, it made sense to me. I'd like to see it go back in time to know, like, if Vermeersh gets in that break and he's got good legs, which maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't, maybe he wouldn't win anyway, does that have a higher chance of winning than Caleb Ewan from the bunch? I don't know. Um, I guess that's Question. why you, it's, you pay the big bucks to Ewan. When it comes to the peloton, we see that all these teams are pacing now, knowing that Wout has won a, has bought him so many sprints already and so forth. Do you think that it's some kind of cheat code for Yumbo that they've got GC as the main focus for their team and therefore teams don't expect them to pace in stages like this? Well, like, there's no bluff to call. They're just not going to pace with... They're not going to put Van Hoedonk on the front. They've mm-hmm. won yesterday's stage. They're just not going to do it. So, like... Well, do they win do they win stage 17? No, Pog won it. So, they, they're just not going to do it. Anyway, they... Keep the break super tight. You might be wondering why they're keeping the break at a minute. Why are they bringing the break back to 30 seconds? It's because you've got Guillaume Van Kerr's book pacing. Alpsen are down to six riders. They have no Goggle, no Van der Poel. These hills in the middle of the stage, they don't look like much. They're not categorized, but they're really difficult for a Dillier, for a Van Kerr's book against someone like Morich or... Uh, Taco van der Horn or Quinn Simmons. And you really want to, to be honest, I thought it was good they brought the break back early. I thought that break was yeah. too dangerous, frankly. Yeah. And if you're trying to bring that break back in the last 30 kilometers, 40 kilometers, those hills we saw with the Simmons court break in the Vuelta last year, you, you're not going to do it, particularly with teams with rulers on their last legs. So I thought bringing that break back was fine. Um, and then, like, crosswinds were reported for the stage i couldn't really see billowing crosswinds in the fields but the break gets brought oh brought back eventually simmons the last guy he attacked for combativity i think morish led him he gets brought back there's some counters but there's splits i have i still don't know what the reason for the splits were benji because they weren't fanned out left to right in full echelon formation but there's three groups all of a sudden yes suddenly certain groups started creating and I felt like certain places in the stage had some kind of like, I visually saw that groups were kind of struggling with wind, but nothing too crazy to the point where I also didn't know whether it was actually echelons that created the split. I feel like it probably just snapped between two people and wasn't closed directly. And that's how those, those gaps started opening. And that's technically also how echelons happen. So that's basically the vaguest description I could give about two groups coming out of one group. Anyway, Jakobsen was behind, for example, for a bit in the group behind, but eventually those groups got started folding together again. So I don't think those echelons really had a, a massive effect on today's stage, really. But there was also a puncture by Pogacar later, and then we saw like footage of his team supposedly bringing him back, but then he was basically bringing his team back at a certain point. But it's logical, you know, because when you're not between the convoy when you don't have draft behind cars then it's logical that he's behind his teammates to bring him back to the front when you've got cars the ideal position to sit at is right behind the cars so his teammates will be behind him then so that's ideal but i 
I feel like it was more accidental than on purpose that they were riding like that behind the peloton again. Anyway, Pogacar came back to the peloton, was back into position, and we came into, uh, I think, 30k to go where we had a, a decent hill. You said it before, the break was caught, but some attacks started flowing again, right? Yeah, we had Fred Wright, Jasper Sturven going up the road with, sorry, who was the BMW? Gujar. He's actually been quite active. He was the guy who went with Benjamin Tomar on the stage Jasper Philipson one, I think stage 15, the cursed one for Yumba Visma. He, so he's been quite good um, so far out of the BNB riders. And again, they're like Sturvin and Wright, big engines. They get over these sort of hills really, really well. Pagacha also attacks, trying to, like, he comes back from the mechanical attacks. And to be honest, it's. Like, yeah, there's a bit of panic from maybe Jonas. I feel like, like if I'm Vingegaard, I'm not reacting myself. There's absolutely no way I'm leaving the wheel of Van Hoydonk or someone else or Teichmanot. I'm like, this move has almost no prospect of success. I'll just let Pikachu cook out there. But they close it anyway. Pikachu's still trying. Jonas Vingegaard said yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries me again. And we see the sprinters teams, no lotto, no bike exchange, struggling to control it's actually just total and alperson i think with two riders each and they're all really tired they're also mm. not probably maybe of the quality of fred wright and sturvin and goujard and they're just really struggling to control the break and because they they don't bring it back like until maybe no they're sorry they don't bring it back it's 1600 <laughs> meters to go the gap is like five seconds and you think, oh, that's nothing. Sprint lead out trains, whatever. This is not stage two or stage three. There aren't teams with five guys lined out ready to do a huge lead out for their sprinter. Everyone's cooked. They've just done the Pyrenees. Everyone's been chasing all day on a really fast stage. And you've got Van Rensburg at the front. Sagan's pretty much there himself with no more lead out because they've all been spent chasing. And Christophe Laporte attacks across to the breakaway very quickly. And at that point, Sturvin and Wright, I was like, he should go right past them. But he didn't. Yeah, exactly. He stayed on the wheel of Sturvin. And into the last 500 meters, it was actually Fred Wright, or I think it might have been even further than 500 meters to go, that Wright actually started creating separation with Gujar and Sturvin because Gujar could not hold the wheel with Fred Wright. So Fred Wright gained an advantage there, Stuyven in the wheel of Gujar, and Laporte was already in the wheel of Stuyven there. So those three riders chasing right at that moment. A bit of a gap is created because of that Laporte move behind Laporte, because they didn't jump to his wheel. Philipson didn't want to go yet. The sprinters were like, okay, if I close that now, I'm basically giving a lead out to all the sprinters behind me, for example. So I think it was just a battle of who's going to who's going to get the bait first, who's going to jump to Laporte's wheel first, and no one did it imminently. And like you said, Laporte was sitting on that wheel of Steven, and Steven was, like, getting desperate. It was kind of like Søren Kroh Andersen in Milano San Remo when he was started getting... Yeah, very similar. He started riding just to catch right, Steven in this situation, and he was basically giving a lead out for Laporte, right? He must have known Laporte was there at that point. Like, he must have known that He's tying Laporte, and Laporte's fresh compared to these guys. He's been sitting in the bunch, and he does. He tows Laporte back to right. They get to right. Laporte just attacks around him. He look. It's kind of he's not doing a sprint or anything, but we see behind. There's no leadout men left. There's no Jonas Rickart. There's no. There's nobody, and 
Laporte is able to sneak away with this last kilometer attack or 700 meter at attack up this little rise. I think the rise also, the kicker, made a big difference for the lead yeah. outs and the timing of it. And he wins a second ahead, ahead of what must be an extremely frustrated Jasper Philipson and Alperson de Koenig. He won the sprint for second, but they just, they sort of, they caught the break, but they didn't because it allowed Laporte to bridge to him. Dainese third, Seneschal fourth, Pagacha fifth, fully went for the sprint. Capio sixth, Gronovechen seventh, Hofstetter eighth, Mezgetz ninth. I would have liked Arkea actually to commit to Hofstetter today. I okay. think it's a bit disappointing they didn't actually. Um, this guy came third in Kerner, Russell Kerner behind Ewan and Jacobson. He gets over this sort of terrain fine. And let's be frank, like Nairo's GC position is what it is. I, I think that was a bit of a shame. Yeah. Mez gets ninth, Ewan tenth. Vingegaard actually loses five seconds because of the split and he <laughs> made it to the 3K banner fine. I knew they would go for Laporte, Benji, when we saw Wout Banat with his nose in the wind at eight Ks to go. Um, yeah. And so it's good to see... Like it just goes to show what a strong rider Laporte is. He barely gets any chances and he wins. Exactly. And I can imagine that it was a different experience for people that didn't watch in Belgium, didn't have Belgian comms on. But for three kilometers straight, the commentators were oh, shocked, shocked that Wout Fanad was pacing at the front of the peloton. And they didn't understand because the stage was so perfect for Wout Fanad. But I actually thought that they were perhaps bottling it for a second when Wout Fanad was at the front, but not closing those 10 seconds that they had with about two and a half, three kilometers to go. I was afraid that they might not catch them if that kept going like that. But then Wout went off the front and Brent von, no, not Brent von Moore, it was uh, uh, two riders from Lotto took over in the last three kilometers and started hammering it then, which was the savior for the peloton as well. So Lotto kind of made it a sprint in the end, I dare to say, or at least... Lotto made sure that Laporte could win this stage because otherwise I see Fred Wright winning this. Yeah, I think Wright would have won. As I said, it's a bit of a shame. Maybe Vermeersh didn't get a chance, but it is what it is. And yeah, Jumbo Visma have their third different rider win a Tour de France stage this year, their fifth stage win. And we still have the TT tomorrow where I think Wow should be the favorite with Ghana looking not very good. Um, but, you know, it's a TT, it's different. And then they also have a decent chance on Champs-Élysées on Sunday. But Laporte could have won the TT, could have, would have, should have, of course. But the opening TT, I think he stays up. He beats Lampard because of the weather change. He was ahead of Lampard at T1. And I think when he crashed, he was he was looking very good for the stage win. So, I mean, I don't know what his contract is, but he he would have won Kerner Russell Kerner if he'd stayed on Taco van der Horn's wheel later and didn't attack him. He kind of attacked too early. He did the opposite today. But he could this year, Benji, without too much changing, have like two tour wins, Kern of Brussels Kern, Day in the Yellow Jersey. He's a quality rider. And yeah, from, I mean, imagine the TT Benjamin Tomar could do if you take him from Cofidis to to Yumbo Visma. It just goes to show. Yeah. Or Max, Wal Max Walshide on the cobbles and so forth. That would also be an improvement in some sense, quite certainly. Like, that's the kind of rider that I expected to replace Tony Martin perhaps last year, but that didn't end up happening. Walshide went to Cofferdes, and I was low key disappointed by that transfer personally. Nonetheless, like, when it comes to Laporte, I think a lot of people forget that this was a guy that came like third or four over, over the path of the bed last year in Tour of Flanders at Cofferdes, but nobody looked at him because he was riding in Cofferdes' jersey. They weren't. Like, 
Asgreen was was winning the race at that point. So people looked over him. And I think it, it proves again that it's such a goddamn good transfer for Jumbo Visma. Together with Benoit, those two riders, I've said it before, those are the two transfers where I'm like, these really lived up to uh, way more than their expectations this year. And that's crazy. And it's all also like, yeah, you can have the plan, okay. Laporte for the stage, stuff like that. It's all fine to do so. I'm actually guessing that perhaps they did so to make sure Wout van Aert didn't have to go all out on this stage so that he could have a bit more of a relaxed stage before the time trial. That's my theory, at least. My extra theory next to doing it for Laporte. But I, I Laporte, thought Laporte was going to get in the break. I, I thought yeah. there was going to be a bigger break like last year and he'd get in there. That's the perfect guy to slip in and he might win yeah. that way. I never thought... Well, that's not true. I thought he could contest the sprint. I thought Philipson would win the sprint. He's quicker than everyone else, but yeah. you got to, yeah, you snooze, you lose. And no, Jonas can't really hurt. Um, yeah, anything else from this stage, Benji? Um, I think yeah. I... Sorry? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, Pagatch's five-second game, does that change anything for you? Uh, not really. It's now 526, I think, in GC. So... 321. 326. 321. Wow. I'm... I'm... The heat is getting to me, even though it's not that hot anymore. But at 526, Jesus Christ. 321. <laughs> I'm not a... I made, I made... I picked him for this Tour de France. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's no? it from the stage. It's just a transition stage. It was a bit messy. It was probably harder than the riders hoped for. But in the end, the sprinters teams got mugged. Um, Yumbo Visma <laughs> win again. Uh, otherwise, when we do the stage preview tomorrow, there was some um, some Vela news articles about Grant Thomas. I haven't read the article. I read the headline, which is, you know, 2022 reporting. It's me, you know, saying the team didn't think I could do this. I would say Grant Thomas is at, and this will segue into the TT, I think he's at a better level than in 2018. And it's funny because, yeah, on the website we published that graph, we were like, Grant Thomas at Tour de Suisse is on a better trajectory or at least the same trajectory as 2018. And then he went on, well, it's occurring, and was like, graphs don't mean it. Like, come on, there's all these other factors. And it's like, but it was true. <laughs> you were <laughs> you were at the Tour, like in your best ever shape. So uh, hopefully, yeah, I mean, great performance from him. And and for this TT tomorrow, Benji, 41Ks from La Capelle, Madaval to Rocamador. It's got, we've already spoken about it before, uh, 10.5 metres of climbing per kilometre, which is 2.5 times less than the Planche de Belfie TT. It's very similar to the Stage 5 one last year, just a bit longer. It's going to be, I don't know, I haven't calculated, a 45 to 48-minute TT or a 50-minute TT. There's three intermediate time checks. The rolling hills at the end are 1,600 metres, 4.7%. That's big ring in the extensions descent nova valley then 1800 meters 6.2 percent to the line who have you got i think that the likely candidate to win is wild finard but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with tade pogacar he's got nothing to lose like he's gonna go all out for another stage when he's gonna try and he's gonna be on the podium at least so i think uh pogacar is gonna win what was the Paranese TT, the Mont Luzon one? That had a little kicker at the end that was nasty. Uh, Wout van Aert won that by two seconds ahead of Roglic. Uh, I'm going with Grant Thomas for the win. I think he's, okay. I think he's got the earpiece out tomorrow. And I think he's got to go for the stage win. Has to full gas. Really? Um, yeah. Secure podium. What if he crashes and crashes out his podium? 
I mean, you can't you can't spend you you can't ride like that. He's got three <laughs> minutes five on Gudu, so he's got five minutes really. He can go to the hospital, come back, get the cast put on, and still win, <laughs> still beat Gudu for third. So you can't. That's what he did on stage one. He said it was fucking with his head. And he took the earpiece yep. out, went for it. It was all gravy. I think he's got to go full beans for it. And I think he can win. I think he's in crazy shape. I think it's a TT that suits him. And he'll smash those hills at the end in the extensions. I think... Is this similar to the one Alaphilippe beat him on in 2019? That was hilly, right? Uh, I'm not sure it's similar, but I, I don't know. I think it was much shorter. Was it, was it not like 20, 25K? Probably, yeah. Alaphilippe wouldn't have been able to win a long TT. He probably doesn't use the TT bike enough. Okay, so i got Thomas. You've got uh, Teddy Pikachu. and Teddy Pikachu? <laughs> it's what the YouTube captions auto. It's when I say Teddy Pikachu, they always <laughs> either put Teddy Pikachu bread or Teddy Pikachu. <laughs> I don't Teddy Pikachu is going to win tomorrow. Okay, Ganna, I don't think he's on the podium. I agree. How much time does Pogacar take on Vingegaard? Two minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> Actually, oh, shit. Do you have bonus seconds on time, John? No. No, right? Well, does it then lead up to the intermediate sprint for trees? Is there a bonus seconds at the intermediate sprint at the tour? No, not even. So. No. Nah, it's not F- a Giro. It's not a Mickey Mouse event. <laughs> <laughs> what, is I was there looking a, to make it decisive on kilometer okay? on the Champs-Élysées. <laughs> 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 Laporte puts Pogacar into the barriers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I reckon. I think Pagancha takes uh, thirty-five seconds. I think he's gonna take one minute and twelve seconds. That's so much. Absolutely no I know, chance. Unless but Fingergaard can take, take it, it relatively. Easy. He won't. Say, safety, please. He, he won't. I bet you he won't. I don't want him to crash out either. Like on the. I don't want him to. I'm just saying. He's gonna go yeah. full gas. Yeah. Like okay. We'll see. We'll see, see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks to Zwift as always. I'm glad we had a nice and easy stage, and we'll see you at the recap tomorrow. Ciao.